we have Midweek Media Watch. And this week, joined in the studio with Hayden by Hayden Donnell. A very warm welcome, Hayden. Kia ora, Mark. Kia ora. Welcome along. Now, you wanted to start with, gosh, the election. <laughs> and we had the first of our live uh, TV leaders debates last night. So I, of course, was here and I didn't see Well, I saw it, but I didn't hear it. Um, I've read about it today. How did you think it went? Yeah, my take on it, uh, yeah. I'm sure everyone will welcome that. There's been very little discussion about it. But yeah, first off, obviously, a heap of cross-talking, both men interrupting each other. This is just a stylistic point, but at times it made for some almost comical fear, such as this incident where Chris Luxon seemed to be agreeing with Chris Hipkins that his government would be a disaster for New Zealand. Under the Green Party. Well, just wait and see what Act in New Zealand first want to do under a national government. That would be a disaster for New Zealand. Now, bit unfortunate there for Chris Luxon. He's charging on with his point, but it didn't really uh, sound all that good. Uh, Despite the interruptions, I think the debate was really defined more, uh, notable less for the differences between the two men on stage and uh, defined more by their similarities on several key issues. So here's a taste of the diversity of opinion on offer from the quick, uh, well, the first quickfire questions round. Should we continue to ban nuclear-powered ships from our waters? Yes, yes. Should cannabis de- be decriminalised? No, no. Should vapes be prescription only? No. Uh, no, not at this stage, but I am interested to see what else we need to do to get it under control. Oh, just in the quickfire. <laughs> Huge amount of disagreement there. And here's a clip <laughs> from the second. Personally, would you be happy to pay wealth tax? Uh, no, I think it would be a wrecking ball through the economy. I don't think a wealth tax is the way to go. Should transgender people be allowed to compete in sport? Uh, that's a decision for the sporting bodies. Decision for the sporting bodies. Favourite book? Uh, the Inner Mind of Tennis is what I'm sort of reading at the moment. Hmm. No, to be honest, I don't get to read much non uh, fiction or non-fiction. All right, so. tax for vacant houses, yes or no? No. No. And how old were you when you brought your first home? Uh, 24. Yeah, it would have been about the same. Wow. <laughs> the only difference that they had was about whether they'd actually read a book or not, which <laughs> I don't know whether... I haven't read The Inside Mind of Tennis or something, but I don't know whether it qualifies as... As a book, I certainly wouldn't qualify as one I'd want to read. I I can be corrected on that, though. Sorry, I I don't want to judge a book by its title or uh, its cover, as they say. Who recommends it? Yeah, well, (laughs) uh, while all this was going on, the former Labour MP Ian Lees Galloway actually tweeted, "Are, are there any two parties closer than Labour and National right now? And I thought, I mean, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Maybe Freedoms New Zealand and NZ Loyal? Both centrist parties, they're right up the middle. So they're, they're right up the middle. I mean, <laughs> I, maybe on that very co- sort of conspiracy area, they all believe in sort of like the, the UN conspiracies. Yes. Are they more similar? I don't know. I haven't done my research, as they say. The similarities kind of bolster the argument for getting some of the other party leaders perhaps in on this at this level. Yeah, I think so. The satirist Ben Uffendale actually called the debates dire on X formerly Twitter, and called for TVNZ and 3 to tell National and Labour to stick it and include the minor party leaders. And if they say no to that, then just stop them. We've lost nothing because these are so bad anyway. Uh, Others have made a similar point, including Corin Dan on Morning Report. And look, I just have some 
sympathy for that view. We'd at least get some robust exchanges if we invited David Seymour and Winston Peters on there. They believe different things and seem to genuinely dislike each other. Yes. It wouldn't be such a snooze fest as Claire Trevette labelled it in the New Zealand Herald. But more than that, and I think more importantly than that, National and Labour on current polling command barely 65% support between them. Mm. They're competing in this really one-on-one FPP-style contest and we're in an MMP political landscape, and we have been, I think, for 30 years. So a large percentage of the population is tuning these two men out and supporting someone else. And what's there for them when you just see those two on screen? And it, it doesn't make much sense given our political environment, but it especially doesn't make sense in an election where nearly all of the biggest ideas are real change-making ideas are being brought to the table by the minor parties. And I think it does us a bit of a disservice to not hear those debates, uh, <laughs> debates, those ideas debated mm. in prime time with Chris Luxon and Chris Hipkins there. We wouldn't get them all saying yes uh, to the same things and no to the same things. Get mm. them in, a, in the room together. Bring back the worm. Should, should we bring back the worm, Mark? Do you remember the worm? I do. I mean, we could end up with I Peter do. Dunn getting 10% again. <laughs> Just say, today, just say common sense a lot, and you'll you'll well, get there. I mean, the worm might have been a little bit uh, gimmicky, uh, perhaps. gimmicky. Perhaps it wasn't actually the best tool, but yeah. look, everyone was in the room together. Yeah. So, uh, of course, after the debate, as the commercial break, then they came back with a post-match analysis from the media. Yes, as we always have, uh, post-match analysis is apt. Actually, we had Jack Tame, Tohenere. Uh, Mikey Sherman, David Cunliffe uh, in the studio. Some of the commentary was incisive, some of it was insipid, as always, but what mostly stood out was the number of sports analogies we heard from these panellists. And look, I'm really sorry to my sound operator, Jeremy, tonight. This is a record number of clips we're about to go through, but I've gone through, uh, these are just about all of the sports analogies we we had. Yeah. Uh, this is a league comparison from Toe Henry. <laughs> There was no up-the-wars moment. Uh, we had a continuation of the league theme. I mean, it's a bit like Penrith versus Warriors. We all knew that the second-string Warriors team wasn't going to win. But, boy, did they turn up against Newcastle. Mm. And that's that up-the-wars moment. Yeah, I'm glad we got that up-the-wars moment in the end after not having the up-the-wars moment earlier. That's a big debate, uh, the uh, sort of crucial thing that you need in a debate. You do yeah, need that up-the-wars. And uh, so we didn't just have league. We, uh, we also had boxing. We're going to go with the boxing, boxing. analogy. Mm. You won't win it on technicality. Mm. You won't win it on technical point. That wasn't the only boxing. We had more boxing. In the boxing match, Chris Luxon mm. won the first few rounds. Yep. Uh, Chris Hipkins won the back few. Mm. Chris Hipkins needed a knockout, and he didn't get it. But most of all, more than anything else, we had rugby. Look, if you use a, a sort of Rugby World Cup analogy, uh, Chris Hipkins needed to win this outright because he's behind in the pool. There's just so much rugby. There's a swimming analogy there too. He's behind in the pool. Oh mm, yeah, oh, but well, it's a pull round. It's a pull round. Pull yeah. pull round. Oh, yeah. There oh, was yeah. some, there were some mistake. There were some mixed metaphors in there, but that wasn't one of them. Mark, do not give. <laughs> that's a disservice to David Cummins' no, commentary. David. Just My there. apologies. I'll this never a, do it again. Okay, well, good. There's some more yeah. rugby just now. And if there was a tactical kind of error, it's, as Mikey said, when the opposition's got the ball, you've got to ankle tap them and get it back. Mm. You need the turnover. That's right. You've got to ankle tap them, <laughs> and ankle tap them, and now it's still more rugby. 
can't let the other side with the ball for five phases. You just got to tackle. Yeah, well, this is interesting, isn't it? It's league. <laughs> oh, you're right. Well, no, five no. Well, that's five phases. Five, five phases. Yeah. He's he's using phases there. Yeah, so okay. I put that in the rugby section. No, fair enough. Fair you know, enough. like the Brumbies, they always used to retain the ball for a really long time. I think yeah. that's what he's talking about yes. there. And uh, just lastly, somehow we had even more rugby. Take the, 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 the football analogy again. He has to kick it out of the park. He's got nothing to lose. Mm. Now, football, I think he meant rugby there, but mm. I, I do want to just ding David Cunliffe a little bit there for his own performance because kick it out of the park, that's not going to do much in rugby. That's yeah. a defensive tactic, if anything, maybe a strategic kicking for territory. It's not It's not a big Hail Mary winning move. No. Like That's what he's recommending Chris Hipkins does. I think he means you need to run it from inside your own 22. Yeah. He's got nothing to lose. Got nothing to oh, lose. I think that Chris Hipkins in the next debate does need to run it from inside yeah. his own twenty-two, pass it to a big winger like uh, Jonah Lomu, you know, Joe, yeah. Joe Rockathoko, some of those, and and try and get get them dashing off down the park. Now, are you really, obviously, not a huge fan of sporting analogies, or is it the fact that there were, there were just so many of them in that moment? Um, I mean. You'd say n- not up the wires for sporting analogies. I know, I Had can uh, look. I don't want to be a spoil sport, and I understand that I can be a bit of a spoil sport at times. It's a bit of a character failing of mine, <laughs> at, uh, but at the risk of that, they can make me a bit uncomfortable for a few reasons. And look, a caveat. First, I get that the verbal combat of a debate obviously lends itself to these competition analogies, the contests, they have winners and losers and all that, just like a sports match. Having said that, it can put me on edge seeing analysts comparing what's meant to be a contest of ideas to a race or a sports match because it can elevate this concept of winning in exchange over actually having better ideas or better policies, Mm. actually better substance. So it can chafe to see journalists award politicians points for nebulous stuff like being more fired up or hitting their talking points well or making more populist uh, statements effectively because that's not substance really. That's just winning in terms of a pure, what Mikey Sherman said, technicality. Getting their message across. It's style over substance. And so I've said it before, but... The, the journalist's job, I think that we're addicted sometimes to savvy, to, to analysing the game of politics and whether it's being played well. Mm. And just like a horse race or a, or a rugby match, but I, I think it's our job not to do that, but really to cut through the spin and get to the heart of the issues, uh, to say what's happening underneath the pre-packaged lines and the blow, you know, the blowhard rhetoric. And figure out whether the politicians are saying stuff that's substantive rather than just how it will play with voters. And mm. it can feel like that sometimes get lo- gets lost in the debate post-match analysis that goes heavy on whether Chris expertly ankle-tapped Chris. And before we move on, though, I- I'd note that TVNZ panellists are far from alone in their affection for inserting sports into seemingly unrelated topic areas. So... Sports content has actually even infected the weather reports on RNZ Concert recently. Showers clearing this afternoon. Now the main centre's Auckland fine, light winds and afternoon westerlies. Up the was a high of 16. (laughs) 
Um, I'd say there's a producer out there that sneakily put that one in. Uh, credit to newsroom founder Tim Murphy for spotting that oh, yeah. clip. That was on RNZ Concert. So Luxon did front for this debate, but he hasn't been so willing to answer questions from every reporter and every media outlet. No, it's been a bit of a point of contention between National and the media recently. So it was good to see him fronting for some interrogation here, but this does follow a recent run where he's shied away from some we- some media questions, done walkouts even, just failed to answer them. So here he is walking away from News Hub's Jenna Lynch as she fired questions to him about the nature of the backroom public service roles that National wants to cut to fund its tax cuts. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. What about NEMA? What about NEMA? That's in the back office. What about courts? Do you want to do you want to answer whether courts are on the chopping block? That's a plaintive uh, few questions directed at the back of Chris Luxon by Jenna Lynch of News Hub, the political editor. Mm. And News Hub's been <laughs> on the receiving end of a couple of these recently. Luxon also pulled a similar move with Lloyd Burr, though I have uh, some sympathy with him on that one because he'd been answering questions for 20 minutes and things had devolved into a dispute about the nature of the rock he keeps <laughs> referring. Was it coal? Was it was it granite? Uh, you know, when he keeps saying that National's numbers are rock solid. Mm-hmm. That's been another frustration for reporters, though, hasn't it? I mean, Christopher Luxon has had a tendency to repeat those same lines, those pre-prepared lines, uh, like squeezed middle or is... You mentioned their rock-solid numbers. Rock-solid numbers, yeah. I think those they're drilled into him, and sometimes he just repeats them instead of actually addressing the question at were hand. They, were they banned last night, do you think? Did they pop up last I night? I think or? that he seemed a little bit bashful about saying the cliches because he got pulled up when he said the cliches last night. Yeah. Sort of. yeah. So they, were, they weren't as... Uh, they weren't as omnipresent last night as they have been in the media clips mm-hmm. uh, or the media interviews before before last night. So I, I think it has been a long-running issue, though, where Luxon sort of repeats the phrase, our numbers are rock solid, when questioned about his tax policy, you know, squeezed middle, all that sort of stuff. And it wouldn't be so much of an issue because all politicians have pre-prepared lines. But if he backed it up with some substance, substantive evidence for what he's asserting, mm. and I think it's this feeling that they're being spun, that they're being used to just deliver spin, that's really getting the wick of some reporters, and you can sense it in the in the political press gallery that's following him around. For instance, here's some palpable frustration from News Hub Nation's presenter Rebecca Wright uh, when Luxon refused to cough up some of those apparently rock-solid numbers. I appreciate there's different views. I don't know how to explain to you any clearer about our assumptions about how we've actually built You could the release model. the numbers. That would well, make I it clearer. Well, I basically have told you how we're doing it. I'm not going to release this Excel spreadsheet. Why not? Well, there's no point. Now, that, that exchange went on for some time, and the stonewalling has also extended to questions on National's potential coalition arrangements, which Luxon has refused to answer, especially when it comes to Winston Peters. So here's one reporter using one of Luxon's own regularly repeated lines in an effort to get an answer on whether he'll rule out working with Peters before the election is actually held. I'm New Zealand first, and I'm going to use one of your lines. I'm going to be really clear what I'm asking you. Um, I'm not asking you whether you're going to work with him now to answer that. 
You've said uh, when you talked about Spati Māori that you'd deal with Winston or New Zealand First another day. Can you confirm whether you are going to state whether National will work with New Zealand First, whether you are going to say that before or after the election? Well, what I've been saying consistently Maybe is... I was really clear. No, no, I heard you, I heard you. What I'm saying is that we are, I am only focused on maximising the National Party vote and making sure people understand what's at risk with this election. If they want strong economic management, they need to party vote National to get a guaranteed change of government. Yes, that's not the question. Yep. That went on for another few minutes, so you can kind of hear the despair growing in that reporter's mm -hmm. voice. But using the line about being very clear clearly didn't help in this case. I also hear that Christopher Luxon pulled out of an interview with Tao with Mo Moana. Yeah, and this is a bit concerning because Tao with Moana is really for Kata Māori's leading current affairs show following the demise of Native Affairs and its host Moana Maniapoto is interviewing every other major political leader in the lead-up to the election. So Chris Luxon's absence is particularly glaring there. And it's a shame because this was a chance to speak to Māori. Maybe it was, I think he had an interview, I remember actually, with Moana Maniapoto earlier this year or perhaps last year. Uh, which didn't go that well for him, so perhaps it's just too much of a risk. But it is a shame because uh, Māori have uh, less lower rates of de democratic participation, and this is what the journalist Mihingarangi Forbes uh, alluded to in urging politicians to adopt an equity lens when they're deciding which interviews to front for. So it's giving Māori organisations the same chance to hear from the people that are meant to represent uh, them as the more Pākehā focused ones and that, that is that is an important thing because I'm not sure there are that, that many of those chances, there aren't, mm. aren't that many chances mm. like that. Mm. Of course none of this is seemingly hurting National in the polls um, you know again tonight uh, a poll that uh, slightly down for National but still very strong Yeah, is it a worry if this persists long term? I think it is. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to overreact or anything here because Luxon does front up and he, he answers questions. But if he is currently predicted, does become PM, then, you know, I'd note as well, Labour hasn't covered itself in glory when it comes to its handling of the media, despite some early rhetoric about being open and transparent it hasn't been great at complying with the OIA in particular. Chris Hipkins' office was ordered to apologise recently for breaching that act, actually just two months ago in July. But I, Chris Hipkins, Jacinda Ardern, they have regularly fronted press conferences. They didn't walk out, or as as as, as is more common with Luxon, just evade questions or fail to address their substance completely. And they might have their pre-packaged lines, but they won't ever just completely refuse to ever veer off script and uh, address a question. And the fact that New Zealand Prime Ministers front up to the media multiple times a week in these set pieces, it really sets us apart from some other countries, like the US, where reporters have far less access to politicians in power. And I think it's a really positive aspect of our democratic system. And if Luxon does become PM, it, it would be a shame if media access was reduced or that uh, the questions weren't answered as fulsomely because a politician is uncomfortable putting themselves or their plans up for tough and extended scrutiny. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr Luxon isn't the only national MP struggling under the harsh lights of media interrogation though either. Yeah, it's been a tough, tough 
few weeks or week or so for Hamilton East candidate Ryan Hamilton. He's faced questions over his anti-fluoride and anti-mandate views. Uh, National has said he's since changed his mind about his long-standing opposition to fluoride being added to water. But when RNZ's deputy political editor Craig McCulloch got him on the phone earlier this week, he didn't exactly sound exuberant about his apparent change of heart on the issue. Mm -hmm. He initially tried to palm McCulloch off with a line about how he supports Luxon 100%, but when that wasn't just accepted out out of hand, he eventually had to have this answer painfully extracted from him. Do you agree with him that fluoridation is incredibly safe? As I said, I'm 100% behind our leader and support him. So yes, you think that fluoridation is incredibly safe? I've, I've answered your question. I just wanted a direct answer to that around fluoridation. Do you believe fluoridation is incredibly safe? Yes. Now, I for one think that that sounds like a man who wholeheartedly supports fluoridation and thinks it's incredibly safe. Now, there were some other election-focused shows getting up and running this week. Um, weren't there? Yeah, I think I just saw one. You know, if I can't quite work my Sky account, but there's there's this one on a channel called Sky Open. Yeah, it seems to be hosted by this. I'm um, reading off a sheet here. Little known broadcaster, uh, uh, Mark Leishman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he's done some stuff on uh, you know, dogs uh, over the years. Over the years, the thing yeah. on dogs over the years. Yeah, yeah. The Sky yeah. Open via the country channel. So country TV. Yeah, yeah. this 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 Joker. <laughs> He's talking what to, do you mean, Joker? Yeah, well, Are we I'm, saying he's, well, he's, he's not comical. a joker or a joker? I don't know. He's, he's, well, he's not in the political bubble. I was just using some Kiwi slang. I was oh, trying I it on. I yeah. obviously didn't work. I'm from he's Auckland. rock solid. <laughs> do you like him? I I don't know. I don't want to don't want to give anyone a recommendation. But I mean, he's no, talking to a series of politicians about rural issues. Yes. In the lead up to the election, a uh, show is called Road to the Beer. Honestly, Mark, Honestly. I haven't watched it. I, well, you've had two started, episodes. You've Hayden, had Winston started. Peters, James Shaw this week. Yes, I tried yes. to log into Sky Go and watch it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't work it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's there. It's on. Uh, well, what was Prime TV? Sky. Yeah, so and I could watch it on the free to air. It's on at three fifty-five PM on yeah. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. So, so yeah. Sky Open, former Prime TV. Yes. Uh, should be good. Now you've got. Uh, Damien O'Connor coming up next yep. week, and Mark Cameron. Mark Cameron, yes. He the of party. the famously off-colour tweets. Yes, he, he had appeared a bit like Ryan Hamilton, really. He uh, was uh, tweeting away um, before he went to Parliament, and it was, uh, you know... Very, it wasn't all good. No, it wasn't great. It wasn't very impressive at all. Um, so he, I, I asked him about that, and he apologised... Uh, not so much well, for the words he used rather than the necessarily the meaning behind them, which I'm not sure that's a, that's a is that what they call a Clayton's apology? Do you remember? Yeah. What a, I'm not sure what his exact words, but he. No, I don't want to go there. He <laughs> thinks Jacinda Ardern's an idiot, but he would say it in yes. nicer ways now. Well, well presumably. Okay. Well, perhaps he's now that he's close to. Uh, being returned to Parliament, that he wouldn't say it at all because he wants to get there again. I presume. I don't yeah, know. we well, all make list, we all he's... have to reform ourselves if we want to make it into the beehive yes. and be deemed acceptable to our fellow countrymen. Mm. Uh, I'll I'll note that Mark Leishman though wasn't the only one talking to Winston this week. I oh, know he's around. He's out. He's out there. I think trying to get those early voters. He wants to get the ones who want to vote early and get it over with, so they don't have to 
linger around. That's the main impression I got. So he's very busy at the moment. Right. Mm. So he's he's uh, pursuing that postal vote. Yes. He's, uh, I think, Patrick Gower likened him to an octopus, sort of with eight <laughs> arms sneering 0.5% vote from there and here yeah. and there and there, and he'll get to 5%, maybe. I don't know. He's been omnipresent because he's also been on the aforementioned uh, Ta'awith Moana. Yeah. Unlike Chris Luxon, he fronted up. And I think that interview is worth a watch because of how Maniapoto deftly navigates what is so. <laughs> some barely constrained hostility directed her way during this interview, particularly over her insistence on asking about Winston Peters' potential coalition partner, David Seymour. Mm. Are you and David um, Seymour going to work together? You're both from up north, you're both Māori. I mean, how does that all work? Oh, for goodness sake, David Seymour discovered his Māoriness the same way Columbus discovered America, purely by accident. That's a bit of a low blow. It's not a low blow, it's a fact. Please don't tell me. Uh, that you put me in the same category. No, you're saying that... In terms of working for Māori all my life, I have. That was a little bit of a tense section there. Also quite quite rude to David Seymour. They they could be in a government together. They were about one seat off being in a potential government together based on tonight's polling. Uh, that wasn't the only tense section, though. It was a, <laughs> There were some bristly moments in this interview. So this is another slightly tense section where Peters tries to lecture what he calls the woke and Moana Maniapoto isn't having it. That's what we That's want. That's my focus. That's what we want. No, it you're, isn't. you're going no, off on no, a tangent talking no, about no, no, it isn't. indigenous no, people, you and, you, and you, you and your ilk on every other work project that doesn't matter. Oh, you matter. do that all the time. Well, not every work what does woke mean? Well, woke means I woke up yesterday and I know more than you. No, it doesn't actually. Is that your definition? <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to toss. You don't, do you know what, where it came from? Oh, don't give me a lecture. In this, this Why not? Stuff. You, give me a le- you gave me a lecture all the way through. <laughs> It's interesting. It kind of betrays how how lightly Winston holds some of his rhetoric, right? When you kind of chide him back and he will, he's willing to engage in a bit of a laugh if mm. you call him out on it. And I thought it was interesting how Moana Maniapoto handled him. Essentially, she chided him back whenever he got grumpy with her mm-hmm. and he just took it. And I'm not sure it would work with everyone. I'm not sure it would work for me, mm-hmm. Mark, but it did kind of work in this case. Yeah. Now, there were some other interesting bits and pieces uh, last week. Big announcement at uh, right here at RNZ. Yeah, the Kim Hill's quitting. Mm. The doyen of New Zealand interviewed. She's she's quitting the Saturday Morning Post she's held for 21 years. She's been here since, I think, the 80s. She leaves in November, but she is coming back for some long-form interviews in 2024. So she's not fully gone, but mm-hmm. she is fading Slowly, I guess, yes. and uh, it's not the only. That's that's extremely uh, sad, I'm sure, for a lot of our uh, listeners and a lot of the people. Well, there was a, an outpouring of love uh, for her, justifiably, um, on the on the text mach- machine here. Do you call yeah. it a text machine? On I the think text we do call it the text machine. Um, it's not actually a machine; it's a screen, just like anyone else. But anyway, yes, it was an outpouring, and uh, yes. Yeah, so. Would you get such an out? Have you ever received such an outpouring of love? Well, funnily enough, yeah. I have. Wow. Yeah, I have. When did you get... Well, I was, uh, before this uh, position, which I'm only filling in for, um, I was at uh, MediaWorks at a station called Magic, and I left after seven years there, and uh, there was quite an outpouring of love, so I was very touched by it. Pages and pages, about six or seven hundred 
text, I think, came That's through. That's so great. It was cool. It was, oh, it was, it was I a kind would love of affirming. to experience that just once in my life. Well, my kids did a wee treat for me for Christmas. They put it into a book form. So I've got a ball. I'll bring it in. You can read them all. Uh, no, I don't want to read your compliments, mate. I want my own compliments. Oh, no, I think you should. Oh, my gosh. I can't live vicariously through you, the, your... I have to get a nicer personality so that... Well, actually, Kim Hill doesn't exactly have the most... Well, she can oh, be a bit testy. Yeah, she can be a little bit prickly at times. <laughs> uh, famously, and I just want to say that's not the only shake-up happening at RNZ. Uh, it was announced, I think, last week, or the one before maybe, yeah, that Emil Donovan, former yep. host of the Detail podcast, current host of Stuff's Newsable podcast, but he's been announced as the new host of this show. Nice. Keeping his chair warm for, well, it's a reasonable time now. An so. indefinite amount of time as he gets bedded into this, ensconced yes. into this building. Yes, I'll be here for a wee while longer, and then Emi will take over um, when he's ready. And uh, I'm sure he's very keen, and uh, it'll be it'll be great. He'll be a great uh, new host to uh, to RNZ. Yeah, no, but this no will doubt. not be the last time I speak to you. That's no. the thing. Well, exactly. I'll be no. speaking to Mark Leishman for some time yet. <laughs> and just before we go, I do want to cover one more stuff up from from Colin Peacock of uh, oh, RNZ. And just this guy is honestly <laughs> he's a liability he's screwed up he broke a story about TVNZ making significant cutbacks to its content production programs operational spending and the story noted that in 2019 TVNZ CEO Kevin Kenrick persuaded the government to allow TVNZ to forego giving the government dividends in order to invest that money into programs and digital services but except it didn't say 2019 it said 2109 which is a <laughs> terrible typo, and I, I just—it's just notable because we've—we're always saying broadcasting should be more future focused, but that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But the, that typo made it through. Colin, obviously, I didn't check it; it wasn't me. RNZ sub editors got up on the RNZ website, but when the story was republished on the Herald, the error was gone. So kudos to the Herald for having better sub editing than Media Watch or RNZ. We have to give it up to them on this one. We've got just about a minute. There are a few other changes at NZME that you wanted to mention. Yeah, uh, this was broken by the media insider Shane Curry. Uh, so some high-profile or uh, pretty high-powered editors going there. Viva managing editor Amanda Linnell is a big one. She's been there for ages. Canvas editor Sarah Daniel, uh, head of journalism planning David Rowe and head of editorial operations Laura Franklin. They're all leaving the company. And that's actually three pretty senior mm -hmm. uh, female editorial leaders. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's a... And also interesting, I think, with sort of gender um, balance TVNZ's announcement yesterday that they're freezing pay rises and not employing new people. Well, the advertising, it's the same it's so thing. Tough. Everyone's going so through tough. advertising downturn with the interest rates and yeah. everything. Advertising spend is going down. And so they're remaking their newsrooms and... As Shane Carey notes, RNZ is about the only one with a bit of money to spend at the moment.